0: Louis premiered on FX on June 29th, 2010. Let's put 24 minutes on the clock. Uh-huh.
1: And that's the premise behind
0: Pilot Study. Hello, and welcome to Pilot Study, episode number 48. My name is Chris Lantinen, and I am your host. And I'm joined, as always, he's not wearing any clothing, and my yelling is making him vulnerable. <laughs> it's Grimes!
1: Yes, sir. Back at the first, first time on the mics since our <laughs> triumph at South by Southwest.
0: I know. I don't i personally i don't know how we follow this up i guess we just (laughs) we just keep doing the show and keep trying to do a good job and you know maybe the uh the feelings of envy for not every show being a live show will eventually subside maybe maybe Maybe. probably not (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh today we're doing louis and we are closing out what we've been calling our heightened theme month uh you can go back and you can check out episodes on Marin, and of course check out our live south by southwest episode which was a double header on tenacious d and flight of the concords heightened has dived into the world of or we hope has dived into the world of heightened realities primarily in the transfer of a comedian's life and stand-up slash musical acts into a solid TV narrative. Um, I do want to mention that you can find the pilot for Louie on Netflix. Um, I would watch it before they purge their entire library and only have reruns of House of Cards and Stranger Things.
1: (laughs) Yeah, really? (laughs) Why do they do it to us? They're they're taking away everything.
0: (laughs) You know, they did... uh, they did correct some people on The Office and Parks and Recreation and a few other shows that those are remaining, but they just dumped, on April 1st of all days, they dumped X-Files, Buffy, um, like, basically the Fox shows. Oh, uh, okay. Which kind of makes sense anyways, because, like, even, like, newer shows like Brooklyn Nine-Nine weren't showing up on that service. They were only on Hulu. So right. I was kind of wondering when the Fox properties... But you really never know, because a TV show can have all these different partners, like in terms of production, you know, like Hannibal is an NBC production, but it's not it's not fully because like a foreign company also produces it. So I think that's how right. it ends, ends up in some different places. So yeah, go watch Louie before mm-hmm. an FX seems like a prime candidate to pull their shows. Yeah, uh, cuz it's, it's a
1: Fox related, you know,
0: obviously. Yeah, it's a Fox related product. So yep. yeah. Yeah, go 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 uh, go check that out. I think Bob's Burgers is another one that disappeared. Um, in In this purge. So I want to talk a little about the press leading up to the show. And of course, as always, we went and we dug through some interviews, you know, like with the AV Club, as always, they had a great interview as this pilot was starting to air for critics. And it was kind of crazy how most of the talk leading up to this pilot almost had to be based in prior failure. Like Lucky Louie was canceled after a year. Uh, Pootie Tang was considered a failure. Despite yeah. like, it kind of being a cult film now, I don't really consider it a cult success because it's not like I'm sitting down with friends and they're like, let's watch Poodie Tang. Right. It's not like the big Lebowski or something. It's not in that category. I know people want to try to put it in there, but it's not. And like, so in the AV club, he references their interview as like a pre-mortem. Like just like the interview that they'll do before it fails. Yeah. And uh, the Dana Carvey show failure also came up, and how he had a hand in one of the biggest <laughs> yeah. like, biggest disasters of a sketch. I can't remember exactly what it was. I remember. <laughs> what, what what was it about?
1: It was Bill Clinton breastfeeding.
0: Mm, always always a winning concept.
1: <laughs> yeah. So that didn't go over well. <laughs> on ABC like he said in one interview that the their lead in was home improvement <laughs> <laughs> that's ridiculous. not going to happen no, so that's no. that's bad
0: not going to happen um a, a quick side note i love that he would he would continue producing new hours simply to avoid the audience like saying the bit along with him like i feel like this the whole art of stand up and why his approach has worked so well in recent years like new year new hour he's got one coming out in april uh, a new hour called i think just louis 2017 and this whole idea of stand up is based around the idea of discovery like if you know the punchline I always wonder how you can generate like legitimate laughs. And I think that willingness to laugh at what you already know comes to an end pretty early on in your life. Like my example was like Dane Cook. And of course, yeah. that, there was like that moment where Dane Cook was the biggest standup in the entire world. And I would listen to it and it hit that sweet high school spot for me. You're, you're a little older, but still. It was just mostly like me showing the set to friends that's how i kind of justified listening to it over and over again i don't know do you feel like you can listen to stand-up sets over and over again or do you do you more so enjoy the louis approach
1: not as much as songs like there are definitely hit jokes by like my favorite guys that i love like i'll listen to them you know similar to how i'd listen to maybe a song but definitely louis although the flip side of that coin is in that made every comedian think i gotta do a new hour every year because louis doing it he's like the best dude like he can do it not i don't think everybody needs to do that like i saw marin recently live and he did jokes from all of his stuff like he did a couple hit jokes and everybody cracked up and then Like, he did a pretty good mix of his career. And I don't know if that's whatever, you know, we could have our opinions about that too, but I know what you mean. Like, showing that Dane Cook, like, harmful if swallowed, um, busting that out to a new friend was the only way it was funny because then you're seeing their reaction to yeah. this thing you already kind of know is funny and
0: yeah. you're like kind of so. anticipating like when they're yeah. gonna laugh and you... <laughs> like oh
1: man dave's <laughs> gonna think this shit is so
0: funny and especially like when you when your friend has like a contagious laugh Jeez. you know it's, it's easier to revisit that type of material so getting into the pilot here yeah. in this interview with the av club he talked about going to la and um selling out The will Turn and he had this amazing show there, and his manager brought all these TV development managers there. So he got interest from NBC, Fox, all these networks trying to develop a series uh, based around his stand-up. And he ended up talking to John Langrath, who ran FX, and he said, you can come do a show here. We'll give you a lot of freedom. It'll be very cheap. And basically, they said that they're going to give Louis $250,000 per episode to do a show, which was as he says, at an enormously low number, gigantically small budget for a TV show. And he said, you don't have to pitch me anything. I'll just write you the check. You make a pilot. And uh, <laughs> Louis said, the only way this is interesting to me is if you literally wire me $250,000. I don't want to write a script for a pilot, and I don't want to show you anything until it's finished. So if you give me two hundred and fifty will give you a pilot in two months. And that's how we got this episode. That's amazing. And, like people from FX would call him and ask about casting, and he like wouldn't even talk with them. He would only talk with Langraph. <laughs> he only wanted to accept calls from Langraph. And I guess the budget went up to like three hundred thousand at some point. but I don't know if it's ever gone over that number, which is kind of wow. kind of crazy
1: for five seasons for <laughs> six were there.
0: <laughs> you know, I don't know. Maybe some of the bigger guests. Required like bigger budgets. Like, I know Jeremy Renner did like a two episode stint. Yes, my favorite. It's like it's not like you get Hawkeye, you know, for (laughs) like for table scraps, right? So,
1: (laughs) but maybe because you know, it's the same thing with his later show, Horace and Pete, because people love Louis so much and he's at this like genius moment. Maybe people do work for scale just to like be in his shit. Maybe not Renner, but you know, some of the smaller guests that are like well known still.
0: I don't know anything about Jeremy Reiner. He just doesn't seem like the kind of guy that works for scale. <laughs> he see, he seems like the kind of guy who really wants to. Uh, well, yeah, I, I yeah. guess I guess he flips houses, so he's very into the idea of being um, being like an entrepreneur. Okay, I, I assume he doesn't work for scale. Oh <laughs> huh, well, yeah, I, don't know. I have to ask him. Wasn't there? Uh, Wasn't, like, Philip Seymour Hoffman supposed to be—I know we're, like, breaking our rule right now about not talking about anything except the pilot, but wasn't that the episode that Hoffman was supposed to be in? I have no idea. I think he was was supposed to be, like, a teacher or something, and he got a tribute. Uh, Oh, so
1: that was the science teacher. Yeah, that was part of the weed storyline. That's correct.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, So, uh, Louis said that I want to be able to do just like I do on stage. Some bits are 20-minute stories. Some bits are 10-second one-liners. And if I could do the same thing with a visual that's a really interesting format and let the films be part of that, he said he would narrate the show. And when he sat down to write the pilot, he, he wrote, Louis talks into the camera. And he basically wanted to do something like Annie Hall, and he just couldn't bring himself to talking into the camera. He couldn't bring himself to uh to take on that format because he thought it would eventually be cheesy. I'm glad he did. I, I am also glad. And one last thing I want to say about the pre production is that they tested the pilot and they had a phone call with Graf about audience members who did not enjoy the dog dying being the end of the episode like this this the stand-up bit about his dog dying and how like the dog like (laughs) dug its way out and then they're like oh i I guess we gotta we gotta do it again (laughs) some dog that had a tumor and (laughs) they said that the audience the test audience found that really depressing and basically they both said fuck it we're we're gonna leave it on the show anyways, which which is basically a, a core tenet of what makes this show work is a fearlessness and a, um, I don't really know how to describe it, but anti anti PC in the most positive manner.
1: Right, they let people sit with discomfort, and that's kind of Louie's comedy as well. Yes,
0: well, let's do some title talk. So, uh, All right. what, what do you what do you like about this title sequence? Because I know it's one of your favorites.
1: Yeah, I I just. I love the song. I didn't know it was a real song. (laughs) Um, I thought that some amazing genius came up with like the perfect song just because I mean, you know, it fits for the entire theme of the series in my opinion. And it kind of grounds the show because it gets pretty crazy after a while. But um, it's just so cool seeing him walk through what his life was like probably a couple years before the show when he was on the rise and stand up and everybody knew who he was and like, He was the next big thing, and he's walking around New York eating his pizza standing up. Like, it's just real. You know, it's like the show, it's heightened reality. But that struck me as like he had done that walk many times and just wanted to show it.
0: Have you ever been to that pizza place? I have not. That's got to be a pilot study road trip because For sure, yeah. they actually have it's actually good pizza it's a very very delicious uh ben's pizza <laughs> i mean like I, I guess i just love the body language in the title sequence like the way yeah, he's he, kind of <laughs> yeah the way he runs up the stairs like he labors a <laughs> little bit but he still like has some spring you can tell that he like really he wants to run up the stairs but he can't and he almost has like this little smile on his face as he like makes that turn at the top like hey we're filming an intro to like my tv show type of smile <laughs> and it's it's kind of charming and like he does this quick look to the camera as he's eating the pizza so there's like this fun self-awareness it's like the closest he will he would get to the talking into the cameras in the title sequence and like i guess the from i got this from wikipedia so take this with a grain of salt the song um i, I guess it has slightly different wording And apparently, the vocals were re-recorded. Singer Ian Lloyd, they said, reprised his vocals. And Reggie Watts produced this version. And he actually recorded one, but Louis rejected it, from what I understand. And another thing I didn't know is that apparently a passerby in the intro sequence can be seen giving the middle finger to the camera. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. And I don't know if that relates to his smile at all, but I've never... I guess I'll have to watch it again and try to catch that, but apparently that's like a well known
1: Oh movie. wow, yeah.
0: I didn't know that either. I didn't know that. Um so how heightened is the reality? That's I guess that's the question that we've been playing with all month. And I'm curious as to given that your your history with the stand up bits, especially in this first episode in particular, how heightened of a reality are we dealing with here today? Is he pulling right from stand up bits? Is he pulling from real life? What do you think?
1: Well, I think the thing about Louis that's cool and makes him and how he changed the paradigm in stand-up is that his his stand-up is real. So when he's up there talking about his kids and the way he parents them, you do get the sense that, like, even his stand-up isn't that heightened. Uh, It's just exaggerated. You know, he's just a genius, so he can make anything funny, in my opinion. But Mm -hmm. the show, I think, is, you know... 25 percent heightened from reality except for his show takes those absurdist turns where like at the end of this pilot the date goes bad and she like runs away you know and and (laughs) flies off in a helicopter so (laughs) other than that like and you know the the part where the limos show up for the kids like in real life he probably could afford to do that would he really do it you know probably not so shit like that but it, it doesn't the stand-up and the show just are blended seamlessly in Louis, and that's why I really love it, because that is so easy to mess up.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, you have a good comment here. You said that uh, Louis is fully realizing a vision, whereas shows like *Marin* and Seinfeld are asking, what would the character of Mark or Jerry do? So, Right. So in terms of like... Um, so, basically, what you're saying is that Mark and Jerry, they have formulated a character based on their stand-up ex- experiences, while Louis is placing himself in situations and really attempting to figure out how the actual person would react in these absurdist, and kind of, um, obviously, heightened, <laughs> to take our theme month title, scenarios.
1: Right, and and Louis's comedy just lends itself, to, because it... At, at the end of the day, he is an observational comic a lot of the time. But the way that he is so honest about what he's observing and the shit you're not supposed to be honest about, like that weird naked lady just screaming like that, probably, you know, in New York's a weird place that could happen. And so like how he's just standing there sweating, like still worried about his <laughs> date, like the stuff like that. I think he does because of his vision as like an artist. And I, I will use that word with him. I think it's just more realized than the other guys who, yeah, are just all right. I got a sitcom deal now. Like I'm gonna do this thing that like everybody has done. You know, Louis tried to make it his own, and it, he pulled it off, which is why it's so great.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would I would say that the stand-up bits in particular they are not they are very Seinfeld esque in that they are not describing the plot to come. They are more so describing an idea that is tangential to the plot yeah, to come like yes. they're talking about some feeling or emotion that's going to come up in the situation that's presented and I do I do appreciate that you really never know you kind of get like a general vibe of what's what's the what the situation is going to bring about but you never he's not up there talking about riding a bus before the first segment which is about being a field trip chaperone and i I appreciate that they don't foreshadow those types of things heavily um let's go into the plot real quick because um i do think it's important to kind of give people a lay of the land here in case they haven't watched the show so we start with stand-up and it's and it's divided the two acts are divided by those stand-up bits again tangentially related to what's actually going to go on Act one is this field trip chaperone bit, <laughs> yeah. where they basically break down in Harlem, and the bus driver just takes off because Louis is harassing him, kind of. <laughs> and the yeah. kids are just stuck in Harlem, and then Louis calls calls a uh, a fleet of limos to take each kid home in their <laughs> own limousine which doesn't really make sense with like how we see him economically throughout the series. But in the pilot, we really don't know if he's famous, semi-famous, whatever. Right. So like taken as like a whole group, that segment wouldn't make sense. But in the pilot, if that's the first thing you saw and the only thing you saw, I think it would make sense and be funny. And act two, he's on a date with Chelsea Peretti, who I just found out her brother is a founder of Buzzfeed. I just read oh, some wow. I just read some article yesterday yeah kind of weird and as, as you write in our notes it goes terribly from the start awkwardness is played to the hilts and heightened beautifully and as the day finally ends she takes off in a helicopter so that's basically the lay of the land I don't do we want to just yeah. get into some random notes or some show notes as sure, yeah, we have it. labeled them since it kind of relates to everything go ahead sure
1: um well. I'm just, do you want me to just start with the first note? Sorry. Let's, uh,
0: no, let's, uh, let's, anything that relates to Act One and the field, cha- oh, the field trip 12. chaperone thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I just thought that Louis, you know, in the stand up before that, he did kind of talk about how, like, the schools, nobody cares. There's, like, nobody there. Yeah. Yeah. And, um... Then the bus driver, I think he used to kind of illustrate, like, this guy really doesn't care. You think the guy's going to care because he's driving a bus busload of kids, but really he's probably just some city worker that <laughs> doesn't need to be harassed by some, like, white privileged comedian.
0: Yeah, it's like, the, the, uh, the best part is that the guy asks where to go. Yeah, he's like, where are we going? Like, dude, you're driving, like, kids on a fucking field trip. Yes, he like he's, like, a cab driver. Right, right.
1: Yeah. And so I think the stand-up did relate to that in a way like you were just mentioning how – Like, it didn't directly say, so I was on a school bus and then show a bus, but it was, like, the the overall theme, like, shit's fucked up in these schools and with kids and, you know.
0: Now, can the bus not, because it ends up that Louis gives them directions to the Bronx Zoo or wherever they're going. They went on the the wrong
1: road and it couldn't fit underneath, yeah.
0: Okay, so, yeah, is that what happens? They can't fit underneath the bridge? Because it looks like they just, if that happened, wouldn't they just hit the bridge?
1: I think it like scraped the roof, and then that caused the flat, which caused then the caused flat. them. Kind of yeah. like
0: extra weight. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, like the the stand up bit before is primarily centered around yeah nobody being there, and then the milk bit. Yeah, the milk thing <laughs> killed me, which is so true. <laughs> As he calls it, a disease spout. I don't cry <laughs> like a little bitch because I can't open <laughs> my milk. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah I, I love the camera work in the bus. The bus segments because it's very intimate, it's very up close and personal, almost uncomfortable, very claustrophobic, and it's much like the experience of being on one of those things. Feels the bumpiness, kind of. Yeah, especially when you're an adult and you realize like how small the seats are to anybody that's over like six feet, you know. And I've 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 been on a couple of them since becoming like an adult, and I'm just I'm always shocked at how claustrophobic they are. And how, like, in an accident type scenario, how much like <laughs> chaos and like uh, damage there would be because they're not really that safe. Like they no, they, they, not. they barely have seatbelts.
1: There's no safety device. You're
0: in a rolling like <laughs> soda can, basically, <laughs> basically. Um, what do you have to be to be a bus driver? Nothing. That's yeah. <laughs> that feels like the beginning of a bit that he's done. So I did appreciate that. Uh, yeah. The whole putting the, um, as he calls them, the darker kids in the window seats. Yeah. Um, the, the school seems supremely terrible in every way that they've had them, that they've set them up in this situation. Uh, you know, another thing that I really enjoyed uh, camera and just technical wise was the the kind of handheld work that happens in the club. Like it's a very loose camera structure and the small venue just doing it in a small venue and choosing that really separates it from a traditional special feel and yeah. i feel like the camera has to match the venue the aesthetic and the just the kind of the slight fuzziness of the picture has to match the venue and louis understands that louis understands that the aesthetic of performing in these different venues and so the one thing that i would really say about his work like behind the camera is that every choice as a cinematographer which i believe he just did everything this first episode so if there's a cinematographer if there's a cinematographer i'll look him up in a second here but every camera choice and every um just in terms of how steady or shaky or claustrophobic it was it always matched what was going on in a really nice way and in in the date sequences it's always like a two shot (laughs) It's, it's almost always a two shot where it's both of them in there because both of their reactions are so critical to what's actually going on and i appreciated that as well
1: yeah definitely and i like just to hop to the act two the date scene um i like chelsea peretti in this kind of comedic stuff like i love her on brooklyn 99 too because she does have that like sarcastic yeah you know hip hop like stuff as part of her real like personality i think just from podcasts and shit but um, I like her in this where she gets to be mean and kind of like really turn up the snark because, I, I don't know, I just find it extra hilarious coming from her. And the fact that like <laughs> – talk about heightened reality. Like in what reality does Chelsea Peretti go on a date with Louis? Like maybe a famous rich Louis if she was single or something. But like in this situation when he was still playing this like road comic kind of deal, like yeah anyway, I, it's just the – the choice to cast her made the, like, awkwardness even more uh, palpable
0: to me. <laughs> uh, I do want to mention that the cinematographer's name is Paul Costner. And he has done things like Horace and Pete. He did that all, oh, 10, okay. all, all 10 episodes. He did Better Things, the Pamela Adlon series so that, of course, Louis produced. Um, he did all Louis. He basically did all Louis stand-up specials. So he's been a Louis. He's done 41 Forty-one episodes of the TV show, and he was the director of photography for seventeen. So he's been. So he's he's Louis' friend. <laughs> he's been. He's his right hand man, basically. So, a, an extension of the Louis' aesthetic. Um, yeah the the Peretti the Peretti performance is good, and Louis' smile.
1: Yeah, that line just killed me. You wrote it too. Can you please stop smiling the exact same way every time I look at you? And you can't. Like, I've so been there in real life. Like, you just, oh man, I've been on several awkward dates, and it's always with like a, a younger woman who's like, probably out of my league a little bit and then you're just like oh no it's it's just oh man i could (laughs) so relate to that scene uh
0: the he isn't backing into the cringe he's like leaning super hard into it and i think he actually leans (laughs) back from that a little bit as the series goes on it's cringy but it's not painful it's not british office level and you know another thing i wanted to mention was just the music and the jazz in particular being this very playful this playful variety and like the subway sections when they are kind of having that back and forth smile, smile sesh. <laughs> and like, um, I, I think the guy's name is Matt Kilmer. Yeah, Matt Kilmer did the music and he is a renowned percussionist and producer in New York City. And he's worked with like Lauryn Hill and artists like that. And he said that we did the first season in a week and a half, the music. It was very last minute because they were rushing to get the episodes turned into FX. And the music was the last piece of the puzzle. And he said that, um, well, actually, he didn't really talk too much. But it was basically the, those vaudevillian filters he puts over the music. Like, nothing comes through on this show without a theatricality to it. Like yeah. I feel like the jazz that's used in, like, Always Sunny for instance is kind of this it's always playful and it's always kind of crisp and clean it's very uh, mainstream in that sense yeah. where louis jazz is again put through some kind of some kind of filter that gives it like a new york city broadway a you know type of feel to it and it it feels very much like a stage play in that manner given the choice of music and you know like with Marin's show, with kind of like the grungy, dirty like guitar rock.
1: It's almost like that kind of music that uh, Portlandia made fun of in shows yeah. like Breaking Bad. It's like that boam <laughs> boy, like super twangy like shitty yeah. um, public domain jazz
0: almost. This is just more. This is more in my wheelhouse of what I would actually listen to like without the show feeding it to me and sure it it matches up with me on that level as well i'm trying to think if i have anything else uh random note wise
1: i tried i tried to dial back my um unbridled instinct to compare every aspect of this and maren since they're like my two gods on the mountaintop but i will say that right away louis show was good and i think that's because he was peaking as a stand-up he had had his false starts with like Lucky Louie and other things. And so Louie was like everything about this hit at the perfect moment. Whereas Marin's shit, like it's on IFC, but it's like really clean. The music's, you know, it doesn't really match Marin's stand up as well as Louis' show did just from yeah. the jump. And I think Marin's caught up and and Louie's kind of progressed into the absurd, but uh, you know, that would be my main beef, I guess. If they're not that you know, obviously, I love the way that Marin's show turned out, but this the first season, if we're going to compare, especially pilots, you know, I walk away from the Louis pilot getting a real sense of like his comedy, the show, uh, the aesthetics, like we've talked about. Whereas with Marin, they're like, all right, this guy, like we're gonna give him a show so like let's get the shit together i don't know it just wasn't as Mm. fully formed you know
0: the marin pilot seems very clean while the louis pilot and again those choices those visual choices that he makes reflects the material right and those are all
1: louis choices and that's and That's and
0: and the tone is so hard to nail in a 20 minute pilot Mm-hmm. I mean, we're spending more time talking about it than yeah actually, than the actual show <laughs> Then they actually nailed in twenty minutes. You know, um another thing that really sounded like the start of a bit, and we get this a lot with this heightened month is like these comedians write, and sometimes it morphs into bit like material. Or, like, the beginning of like a 20 minute story that would be told on stage. There was this one section where he's like, I get it. Sucks going out with me. I'm a father. That's what matters to me. I'm a real man. Why don't you tell me about your goddamn life and impress me? Like, yeah, that, yeah. That felt, and I haven't watched all stand up specials, maybe he's done this, but that felt like the beginning of a a longer, more substantial riff.
1: Yeah, it yes. definitely is. Like, he shits on millennials a lot. He says, <laughs> The worst generation. And, yeah. um, you know, I think that's like the younger side of the baby boomer, older side of Gen X mentality. Like, uh, fuck the children. But yeah, he's the cranky stuff. And yeah, then he cries on the date about his <laughs> daughter's like, Oh man. <laughs> it's just everything bad that can happen. It's so perfect. I am gonna watch this pilot again. Like it's, it's all
0: so it's like all his insecurities bubbling to the surface. Like he's acting
1: expressed, you know.
0: He's acting on this date like every single and neurotic impulse he has is bubbling up. Like the smiling thing, the leaning in for the kiss, like everything you would think about doing but would stop yourself, he does it.
1: Right. <laughs> he does it like right away at the <laughs> wrong time. <laughs>
0: Uh, there's a couple more things I wanted to talk about there's a, There was original music by Reggie Watts mm. So I think some of the music Was in there from him And uh, he, he talked about this in an interview He said he's a very natural comic genius But he's a very heavy thinker He comes from a dark side And that's what informs his work He's still very pleasant even though he's talking about dark things He has that ability to talk about pretty heavy things But he has that smile that erases the heaviness of it So he just talked generally about Louis Not about the music But I thought that was interesting and i thought i had one oh just the ending of like the whole dog bit and then that final line of so that's why it's hard to start dating (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's just like an incredible end and again it it just goes to show how much he put into these how much he put into those in between bits to again kind of line up with this with the series or with the acts that were going to be presented, but separated enough so that you could just enjoy those stand-up bits as stand-up. I think that is such an incredible achievement in the show <laughs> and on the pilot. And I think, like, I believe he was going to reuse bits from his last hour when he started filming, and then he was like, fuck it. And he just wrote all new stuff. He wrote, like, a, basically a whole new hour. So every season he writes basically a whole new hour of material, which, again, is incredible with his productivity.
1: Yeah, and the the consistency of quality, like a lot of people,
0: like it's funny. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's funny, you know. <laughs> whereas many comedians who do an hour a year are, you know, not, there's one Louis for a reason. You know, he's, yeah. you know, he's a I genius. I just, he really is, and it's it seeing. I hate to No, Anyway, <laughs>
0: well, let's just let's, leave it at that. Let's wrap this up. So, I mean, my overall thoughts were that for a pilot, I think. The one thing I would say that's kind of a negative, kind of a positive is that he's wearing his influences very plainly on his sleeve. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think it's as original as most would assume it is upon first watch, especially if you, you know, are schooled in the, the Woody Allen and Larry David shows and movies and all that. I mean... The more fantastical elements of a Woody Allen film are there, and he didn't go full Woody and talk to the camera, but those elements, along with the confrontation with the bus driver, skewing quite heavily to the Larry david style of interaction. And, yeah, the David thing's pretty obvious. Yeah, in close quarter, again, claustrophobia. It's there and very visible. Uh, like, we know that he quickly departs from that recognizable formula, but, like, the... The format with the stand-up bits you're going to compare to Seinfeld and luckily eventually his voice does overpower that all and is refined enough to make everything pretty pretty fresh but I think in the pilot again if this is all you watched you'd come away from it thinking well this guy has certainly watched <laughs> other comedy shows and you know just... Having done the two music shows, we know that the marriage between content and narrative can be rough at times, or it mm-hmm. can fall, or it can have major pitfalls. So I think the ability to again match those stand-up bits with the story, but not too heavily that you foreshadow, is the big achievement. Yeah, I agree. So you have any uh, any last thoughts? <laughs>
1: um, well, I agree. I the the comparisons that I made were, you know, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Seinfeld and Marin, just because that's how I view life and everything I watch. But, um, I think that it's, it's a lot of credit to Seinfeld and Larry David that they were, they pioneered the awkward, um, 20 years ago. And that makes room for that kind of comedy, which then you get a Louis 15 years later, who kind of takes that observational awkward shit to the (laughs) nth degree and then you get a show like and it's yeah it it does strike you as so original just because as a fan of Louis and you're viewing it, it that world it's like holy shit how is he like making these things work but it wasn't like he invented that format he just sort of for his time and place and his moment in comedy, he perfected it for, like, his audience.
0: Yeah. This is no Seinfeld Chronicles. I think we should just mention <laughs> Yeah, right, 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 right. For sure. <laughs> let's, let's do some reviews. The New York Times said, it takes a while for Louis to find its own voice. And they had a few episodes, I believe. They were reviewing, like, a block of episodes. And while it is at times a crude and offensive one, it is not without a strange wit and under-the-radar appeal. Louis C.K. is a comedian's comedian, but that shouldn't prevent audiences, mature and immature, from appreciating his work. In the A.V. Club, C.K. is rightly and understandably best known as a writer and stand-up comedian, but he's a natural actor with a wonderful, wonderfully expressive face full of sadness, melancholy, and squirmy humanity. Louis' tagline pitches the show as a very original, original comedy. They weren't lying so that's uh that's it for Louie. we're yeah. done we're done with heightened month uh we have we uh, first off again go back and listen to our south by southwest episode we flew out to austin to record it so we'd really appreciate the, the uh <laughs> support and high list numbers on that one uh but there's no better time to catch up on season two of our program from fuller house full house that double header to the hall of fame induction of friday night lights to theme months like blank and blank and our unaired theme month we have been we've had a very busy and hopefully entertaining second run here hopefully entertaining to you guys um we have one more episode this season and we don't quite know what it's going to be about it might be a hall of fame it might just be something that lines up with um a show ending for instance a hbo show (laughs) in particular but we're going to give you a preview at the end here, so we have a couple days to decide, and I'll toss in the preview there that of the episode we are going to do. And last thing, uh, we have a little contest running right now. If you review the Pilot Study podcast on iTunes, send us a screenshot on Twitter pilot study pod at pilot study pod and you're going to be entered to win a copy of the flight of the concord self-titled album on vinyl you have until april i believe i extended it to april 14th actually you have until april 14th to enter and you can find us on itunes by simply searching pilot (laughs) study so again review (laughs) screenshot send it to us on twitter and you are entered, you know, to fill out anything, send your contact info, any crap like that. We will get in touch with you. But please review the show. We're gonna be hype- we're gonna be pushing this contest quite a bit in the few days through uh, modern-vinyl.com. All right, review it and do it. Sounds good. Review it and do it. Win some. Win a free record. Great record. Any any uh, closing thoughts? Anything? Any uh, plugs? shout outs, Anything like that you want to <laughs>
1: No real plugs or shout outs. I mean, Twitter is Grimes, John, if you're interested in my depressed musings, um, shout out to the audience. South by was really fun. And, um, this was fun too in a different way. Very fun. <laughs> in a
0: different less satisfying way. <laughs> Very fun in a less right. satisfying way. Oh, one one more a quick story. So, I was interviewing a a musician from a band called Plumtree. They're a Canadian band from the 1990s and they just kind of are coming back into the into the public because they're doing some reissues and we were talking about Trailer Park Boys, obviously, cuz mm-hmm. they're Canadian and I had to bring it up. And apparently <laughs> yeah. and apparently she said not apparently i mean i trust her she said that um the the person that played mr Leahy was her old boss at where she worked and he would apparently he would prank call the office on his days off (laughs) to mess with like the younger employees so there you go. There's a little, a little trailer park introduction. Yeah, Thanks. a little, a little gem for the from the old Mr. Leahy life. All right, <laughs> thank you guys very much for listening. This has been Pilot Study episode number forty-eight, and stick around next week for our season finale. Hey. Thanks. We're still here. We sure are.
1: Behind pilot study. Oh, bummer.